To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey guys, what's happening? Uh, I got a brand new podcast for you. So this week uh, I have on Logan Summers. So uh, Logan's a buddy of mine. I met him through shooting uh, TAC, the Total Archery Challenge, one year, and we shot together, and we just kind of kept in touch. And he's always been really interested in the the filming and photography. And so we teamed up on this Nevada hunt. He came with me and and uh, filmed it for me. And so. Uh, we just sat down right after the hunt and recorded this podcast just about N- Nevada, the hunting we did, and and uh, some of the stuff that we captured. Uh, he's just a super guy. He has a, a great attitude, um, always in a good mood, always willing to go for it. Um, he, he's tough as nails, can hike really strong, and so um, we just recorded this podcast all about this Nevada hunt. I I really enjoyed it. I always enjoy when these hunts are fresh in my mind. This is the day after we harvested that buck in Nevada. And uh, so we just kind of go through and, and uh, tell our story and things we learned and the reasons why we shot that buck. I mean, patience always kills the buck. You'll hear me say that a few times in the podcast. But um, just a really fun hunt, really fun stock and fun time with Logan. Uh, I really enjoyed laying this podcast down. I think you guys will enjoy it too. Uh, sponsor for today's show is Everly Stock Packs. So I've been using Everly Stock Exclusive here for the last couple of years. Uh, I really like their packs. I've been using their their little big top. It's one of their lighter weight packs, and I've been using that for anywhere from a day hunt to a to a five day trip. And I could even fit a couple more days into it if need be. And then I can also get the buck out once I'm in there. That Go out light, come out heavy. Um, For this Colorado trip, um, I'm actually leaving here um, today for Colorado. I'm going to use their bigger pack, their Destroyer. Uh, it's just better for expedition style hunts. You know, you can get more cubic inches in it, uh, packs heavier loads a little bit better. Uh, just going to be a great pack. So I'm really excited to use that on this trip. Um, and then I also got one of their day packs that I'm going to try out. It's their kite pack. And uh, excited to put it to use. Um, I haven't used it yet, but I've been through the pack. Uh, really well designed. And Everly Stock just does such a great job of, of, of putting the utmost quality into their packs. Um, you know, they, they stand behind their products. Uh, you know, they've got a warranty department, which is pretty much just another guy filling in. They don't have too many warranties to fix just because they build their packs so well. Um, Glenn Eberly just did a response video. There was a company that came out with a video that kind of broke a frame or something like that, that, that purposely broke a frame. Um, and uh, Glenn Eberly made a response video. It's just great. You guys have to check it out. He made this response video um, where they stuck 700 pounds in one of his packs. They have it set up just like somebody would be wearing it. And then they stack 700 pounds on this pack just to show how tough their packs are. It, and Glenn Eberly just does a, a great job on the response video of, of a, a dress things and and uh, you know explaining their packs but uh, it's a great video go check it out at, at Everly stock and thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast and with that um, yeah get this podcast out to you guys and uh, I'm gonna get on the road and get down to Colorado um, 
man, am I pumped. Yeah, uh, high country mule deer hunting, it just comes and goes so quick, but this is my, my big go for it. Got a really killer spot there, and um, it, it's... It's a backpack style hunt, which I just love. It's going to be uh, grueling and tough, and uh, it's going to take everything I have to harvest a, a nice mule deer there. And I just can't wait for the challenge. I've been waiting for this all year long. So uh, I'm really excited for this one. So I'm going to get this podcast finished up, get this out to you guys, and then uh, get on the road here. Uh, over there at Eastman's, yeah, everybody's keeping really busy. Everybody's got their hunts they're on. Um, I just recorded a really good podcast with Ike all about antelope, and and he's an antelope fanatic. Uh, just a great one about bow hunting them. Uh, talk about rifle hunting them a little bit, but uh, just uh, their different tendencies and and just how much fun that hunt is and how much it improves you know your hunting skills. So great podcast. That one will be coming up. Uh, yeah, I got some good ones to good ones I've been recording. Some good ones lined up. I'm gonna do here when I get back from Colorado and just keep this content coming to you guys. So. Um, let's get this thing rolling. So this is me and Logan Summers. Uh, we're, we're going over our Nevada hunt and how it went. And um, there, there's tons of information in this one. I always learn so much when it's fresh in my head about the stock. And some of these lessons you just have to learn over and over uh, before they stick. So anyways, great podcast. Here you go, guys. Uh, Eastman's Elevated. Okay, I'm live here with Logan Summers. Um, we're sitting at my house uploading pictures and videos. We just finished up this Nevada backpack trip. Man, what a trip. How much fun was that? Oh, it was a lot of fun. Oh, man, we went for it out there. Yeah, we sure did. Um, never easy, but um, spoiler alert, we did get a deer. Yeah, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> um, gosh, it just always seems on these hunts that the, it, the odds are stacked against you. Like it's, um, it's always tougher than you think. And I always say that it's like a catchphrase for me, but you just get there. It's a brand new mountain range. I've never hunted it before. And so we just show up, I guess we'll start from the beginning. So, um, yeah, you came and took, uh, photos for me and took video, man, you're an awesome photographer oh, and videographer, you. um, you. just did an awesome job. And I think your biggest asset too, is your attitude. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of those things where you just got to slowly grind at it, just chip away slowly. So yeah, well, in that positive attitude, like I think it serves you so well, you know, in all facets and everything you do in life, from your business to your photography. Um, you were in the Air Force, like um, you just have this mindset where you keep positive, and yeah. uh, negative things happen, and it just doesn't seem to bother you because bow hunting you know it takes you to your highest highs but that's only because it's so challenging and so difficult and it also takes you to your lowest lows like like you're failing on stocks and you're putting in you know a bunch of miles in the backcountry you're just grinding in the heat out there um we called ourselves desert rats i think that'll be the the title of the podcast yeah this felt dirty the whole time like no matter what you did you wiped your face down and five minutes later you were just covered in dirt again (laughs) i know it Yep, sleeping in the dirt, but gosh, there's just no place I'd rather be. Like, I love those bow hunting adventures. So you came down to the house. We got all our gear all set up. Um, Boy, I think we got about $20,000 worth of gear sitting on the table and in the truck as we're traveling down, maybe more. It's amazing what you need to kill a deer. Not that you need all that stuff, but um, just so much camera gear and, um, you know, and, and then... You know, you got your optics and your bow, and you you got a lot invested in these things. That's for sure. Oh yeah, you don't realize until you like, whenever you get bored one day and you're just like sitting there counting stuff. And you're like, holy cow, 
this got expensive quick, but labor of love. Though. Yeah, yeah. Labor of love. Yeah. Um, but so you showed up here at the house. Um, gosh, I had to get some work done and a podcast out. And, uh, then I had messed up on a, so you were going to be down here at noon. It, it's just always tough to get out of town. Oh, yeah. I am always so stressed out trying to leave on a hunting trip on time. Like, like that's yeah, the just... worst for me. It's just trying to make sure that I've got everything handled with my family, everything handled, you know, at work. And, and so that's what I was doing. We were supposed to take off and, and, um, and I had to do a podcast and upload that. And I was just running behind. So you were here at noon, um, I think we finally got out of town at about four o'clock, and then I had to turn back around and come back to the house to edit a podcast. Yeah, and fix. That's what we got. Like ten minutes down the road, and we're like, "Oh crap!" I got. I, I got the back. intro wrong, like pronunciation on somebody's uh, last name. I thought oh, yeah. I had it right and had asked him, but I had messed it up. So I had to come back, and I think it's important when you're leaving on these things to just get all your loose ends tied yeah. up. So then you can immerse yourself in the hunt and you're not thinking about, oh, I need to call him or, oh, I need to take care of this. And so that's what I was doing. And, yeah. and um, you were patient with me. Oh, I wasn't worried about it. That's what I didn't have. I had all my loose ends tied up, so I didn't have anything to worry about. Yeah, so. yeah you did. You tied up all your loose ends. You're you're on a, a hiatus here for a oh, couple yeah. months, huh? Yeah, yeah. that's what I, I live in Tennessee and I own a landscape company there. And then I come out here in the fall and photograph and video so yeah and you were stationed out here is yep. how we met yep. we shot um at tac like a couple years back and we've kept in touch yep. and then um this year we're teaming up and yep. uh man we made a great team i yeah. think we built an awesome film yeah i can't wait to see it so oh man we're just going through some of the footage and pictures now but yeah you you are just so skilled behind the lens it's fun to team up and put that all together so we show up i finally get my work done only about five hours late and uh, we take off and get down to the desert. So just start making the trip down, and and uh, and then we we stop at about I don't know, one or two in the morning, and yep. then um, just sleep on the side of the road and yep. some pull out. Like it's when I go on these hunts, um, I, I never get a hotel, like ever. You yeah. know, I just I always like once I'm on the hunt, I'm sleeping in the dirt or sleeping in the truck or whatever it takes. So. Um, it, it's important to not to push too far, too hard. Like yep. that drowsy driving is worse than, yeah, is worse than anything. And, and we pushed last night. We kept it safe. But at one point I did have a shadow figure coming at me where I slammed <laughs> on the brakes where we had just been driving and it was the middle of the night <clears throat> and a, you, you like your mind starts playing tricks oh, yeah. on you. Yeah. And I hadn't lost that focus yet, but all of a sudden I saw this shadow figure coming from the road. Well, and, and we actually started our trip. Um, we were driving down the road, and I spotted a deer yeah, that was freaking was. out on the side of the road. Like, this was going down. And I said, that car is going to hit this deer. And there was this Subaru just um, – Cruising, not even noticing it. They Captain oblivious. They yeah. had no clue. And so they were driving 70 miles an hour in front of us and just tagged a deer right in front of us. It spun yeah. it off their car out there. I don't think they did much damage but no. a plastic part or whatever, and they were okay. But, um, yeah, hit a deer right in front of us to start yeah. the trip. Yeah, that's what I was – and then even that elk last night, and I was like, oh, crap. I didn't even see the one on the right side, so that's I'm glad that you were more in focus than I was. Cause yeah. I was – every time we'd pass, like, a stop sign, the, it would reflect on the ground. I was like – I was just thinking there was animals in the road the whole time. So <laughs> Yeah, your mind was starting to play oh, tricks yeah, on I was, too. Yeah, I was way gone, way, way past what your focus was. So. Yeah, we split the herd at one point. I had an yeah. elk on the left, elk on the right, and who knows where the rest of the herd were. But, um, yeah, and, you know – 
really when you think about it like one of the most dangerous things you do is traveling to and from a hunt yeah. like you don't think of it that way because yeah. you're thinking about the back country and getting back there and you're thinking of all the dangers back there but really probably the most dangerous part is traveling to and from a hunt so oh yeah you really got to make sure you keep it safe when you're doing it yeah yeah that's what it's one of those things especially late winter most people don't realize like this is not that bad but later winter in the montana is like you better have chains and ropes and everything because you don't know what's going to happen yeah well yeah. and um that's the thing is you are relying upon your vehicle like you got to have all those backups in place so you know i've told you guys before like i've got a tire repair kit um because you could be 100 miles back yeah. on a gravel road somewhere uh, i've also got a small compressor that'll fill my tires full of air like in alaska i had to fix two tires down yeah. that haul road and um jumper cables um see what else do you have in your rig you know you should always have your your sleeping stuff in there yeah. of course enough like winter time driving you know like in my wife's rig and stuff you got to make sure they have enough clothes and things yeah. in there yeah but, but we made it down so we um slept that night in the desert and uh, drove the rest of the way in in the morning and so we got to the unit um, like I told you guys, I didn't have time to scout this summer. Um, it was just a mountain range where I had to kind of e-scout it. And so I didn't really know what we were getting into. I knew kind of what it looks like, but it always looks different when you get there. Oh, yeah. That's what I've never seen really anything like that. Just a valley floor, 5,800 feet, and then it goes to 10,000, and you're just like, or 9,800, you're just like looking straight up. You're like, oh, Lord. Well, and we underestimated it <laughs> yeah. at one point. Yeah. Like, so we, so we get there and, and just like any place, like I'm just trying to get a feel for it. And so, you know, we see the first really good muley feature up there. And so we pull off the road, we start glass and I don't think we picked out any deer, but then we drove another three or four miles down the road. I said, Oh, look at that feature. And you know, we're, we're starting to get excited and, and look at it. And so we throw our glass up there and, and we start picking it apart and it's a long ways off longer yeah. than, you know, what do you think? Three, four miles, maybe more. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we were laughing about is we were talking about how big deer were here. I was just like, Oh, they're about that big, you know, little tiny yeah, ants. Yeah. They there were like the little, hill. like I've never. And then even some of the ones we glass later that day, you're just like, you, I mean, they were literally just like specks, and you, they were just like moving specks across the, across those feeding features. I was just like, what in the world are we getting ourselves into? But man, that glassing skill, like it's so underestimated. But to find a big buck, yeah. you you have to you you have to glass one up first, and those muleys are so tough to glass. But it's a real art glassing and picking out animals, and just over time, you just get better and better at it um but we were looking a long ways off there's no way you could see a deer through binos it was all spotting was scope yeah. tripoded up and so the second spot we stopped we looked up there and i i spotted some deer and we looked at them and oh they're all does and fawns and so that made us kind of hang around a little bit more we actually like like you were good about getting the chairs out and like hey let's just set up here and spend oh, 10 yeah. 15 minutes and oh, so yeah. After we saw those first deer, we started panning around, and it was really getting to late morning where you, you, you're not going to see every deer up there. We were just hoping to maybe catch one moving to his second bed or just getting ready to bed down, and um, then we turned up some bucks. Yeah, that, I mean, that was one of those things that, that was kind of the – not really the better thing about it, but the best idea on how to hunt that mountain range because you could have walked – I mean, there was very – I mean, there were small groups of lots of deer – and you could have walked miles and miles and miles and not seen anything whenever you can just not really ride around, but just work that road. And 
look up on top and see where they're at and then make a game plan from there. Yeah, uh, vehicles are a huge advantage when scouting. Like you say, when you're hiking in someplace, you know, you're covering a mile at a time, one basin at a time. Yeah. But for scouting and getting a feel of an area, and we hunt a lot of places in Montana that are vast, like hundreds of square miles. Yeah. And there's a lot of country that's void of animals or void of bucks. Those bucks, they find basins that they like. So, yeah, that's kind of what we were doing. It's just getting a feel for the unit. And, and when you're glassing from afar like that, like it really lays out to you. And the way this range worked, it is yet yeah, laid out to us where we could glass, you know, I, I don't know, seven, eight, nine square miles from one position. Oh, and yeah. it was a long ways off and you're not going to see every deer, but no. you, you're going to start to pick out some deer and get a feel for what they like. And, and then you can kind of transpose that information to find other good areas. And so we looked up there and we spotted I think it was 13 bucks up there. Yeah, which was which I thought was just like the wildest. This 13 right together, and you're like, holy cow. They just kept feeding out, and you're like, oh, there's more deer. Oh, there's a couple more. So. Yep, and you don't leave bucks to find bucks. And I had a trailhead I wanted to get to, but it was like we couldn't drive away from bucks that we had just located. And we didn't get to look at them too long. Like, And it was so far away. You know, we could we could see frames at one point, barely, but you could hardly tell what they were. Oh, yeah. I mean, at that far, they just look like ants. Yep. So we knew they were bucks, and it was like, man, I don't want to drive another 10 miles down this range and go in some place where I don't know there's bucks. Like, we should probably take a better look at these things and, yeah. and see what they're doing. And so our plan was to load up all our gear and backpack in. But, you know, on these hunts, like, you, you, have, to, you have to be able to adapt to the, the circumstances you're given or adapt to the situation. And so all of a sudden we see these bucks, and it's like, well— I don't know if we want to backpack in here. Like, let's just go get a closer look at these bucks. Let's go in light and we'll go climb up there. Yep. You know, we'll be there in an hour, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's <laughs> what the thought was because the way it looked, you know, you're just, oh, we'll just get on this ridge and then we'll go up and we'll cross this little valley and then we'll be right there on top of them. And it was just like five hours later. You're like, what in the world is going on? Because it, it just slowly, it just got steeper and steeper and then you couldn't see the top. And at one point, you couldn't see the top and the bottom. And I was like, what? And where are we at? You know? Yeah, it but. was a climb. And it was, um, it's hot down there, you know? Yeah. It's oh, yeah. August 10th opener. Like, we were a few days behind, like maybe the 14th, 15th, something like that. But it was hot. It's 85 degrees. It's dry. You're sweating. You're working hard. And so, yeah, we went in there light, you know, relatively light. You know, my, yeah. my day packs are ridiculous. It's not that we had that much. It's just, you know, when you got, you know good water like you go through more water in that heat especially when you're working hard and we yeah. wanted to make sure that we had enough and we also had enough to camp over for the night like it it wouldn't have been comfortable but i didn't know if we were going to have to live on those bucks and so we actually you know we were just going to sleep in our puffy pants and puffy jackets yeah. up there and kind of just rough it up there but we had to have enough water to be able to stay up there two days yeah. and then enough food and so yeah, our hour-long journey, or I thought it'd take us an hour and a half, and we'd cruise up there, but pretty soon, we're five hours into it, storms building, like, yeah. all of a sudden, um, what a, out of the frying pan into the fire. Oh, yeah, you that's, know, that's just, exactly what happened. Yeah, you're just starting on the hunt, and just all of a sudden, the challenges start to come, and we had climbed that ridge, got our elevation, and then we didn't make the top ridge. There was uh, thunder and lightning storms coming over. Yeah. Winds were shifting. And so we thought, well, we'll just side hill over there. No big deal. It's a couple drainages over. And, man, we side hilled for miles through yeah. that stuff. Yeah, I didn't realize how far it was until we actually got back down to that main road. And I'm like, oh, we just started right there. And, went, and then I started looking. I'm like, 
oh, no, we went way further than we thought. Because, I mean, once you get going on there, you just don't even you don't even really think about it. And then next thing you know, your four drainage is over and you're four miles away from the truck. And the truck looks like a like just a little speck. And you're like, I'm like, oh, Brian, hey, uh, are we staying all night up here? Or like, are we heading back to the truck? Because if we're heading back to the truck, we <laughs> we, we got a long way to go in the dark. <laughs> But, right. Well, and that off trail too um, takes so much more exertion. Just trying to keep your balance on that loose rock and then oh, the yeah. steep side hills, and the ground is so freaking hot. And yeah. then that side hilling, like oh. we started to get, we call it hot dogs, and yeah. it's where the bottom of your feet just start to get so hot from just rubbing in there. And you know, my my feet are as tough as they come, but yeah. my feet were on fire yeah, too. My, so my feet are not as tough as they come, and they were they were burning up the whole time. <laughs> We finally figured out it was just we thought it was you know maybe a shoe issue or a sock issue or how tight your boots were or something and it wasn't it was just the ground was that hot it was just soaking up that much yeah the ground that much heat yeah the ground's like 150 degrees you can hardly touch it oh yeah especially um, when we were making that stock on that buck man i was just like my hands were just like burning just from like crawling in and you're like i was digging holes over there to try to get just away from some of the like trying to get down like like a one of buck beds you know how they dig a little hole out that's what i was doing but it's just for my hands and my knees because it was it was getting pretty rough oh brutal right and so we kind of side hill over to where these bucks should be and we're we're trying to play the wind the thunderstorms coming in it's just not the right condition so we get over this buck and so we decide to go low the thermals start dropping because the the storm that came in and so we just want to get an eye on these bucks and just get a scope on them just see if there's a good shooter in there yeah we start coming around low and then we jump a doe out that we didn't see she blows at us and so finally we just decide we got to back out of here we're going to spook these bucks out of here and so we we make the big loop back around to the truck and um get there we decide not to stay the night up there um get back to the truck and so then we we make camp uh next day we go and glass some new country kind of yep. to start the morning off. We spot some bucks and some does. Never really find a good population. Never really find a, a big shooter buck. Um, I think we spotted like a group of three of them yep. up there. Yeah, They're not everywhere, but um, the mountain definitely holds deer. Yeah. So we decide to go back. It's, um, you know, getting to be later morning. Um, like I, the sun's been up for a couple hours. And so we decide to go back to that spot and look for those bucks again and Sure enough, we park and we look up there and we find all those bucks. And now they're at the the tip top of the mountain and they're, you know, 10,000 feet or close to it right there. And they're working those trees. And we got a little bit better look at them then. And we could see a couple frames on those bucks and see, yeah, there's a couple decent ones in there we need to take a better, better look at. Yeah, that's what I was, whenever you can see frame at five or four miles, I mean, line of sight was probably four miles. And you Mm -hmm. could see frame. I was like, we got to figure out a way to get up there. Yep. And so... We um, decided not to go in the same way we went in. We yeah. lo- uh, started working our Onyx and started oh, yeah. looking for a better access. And on the other side of the mountain, there was a road that gained us another 1,000 feet elevation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I owe those guys at Onyx because they, they <laughs> saved me. Because uh, I don't know if we could have done – or I, I don't know if or how long it would have taken me to get to the top with a 50-pound you know, a, a pack. Yeah, it's off trail and straight up. Yeah, there was no trails in this place either. That's what most people don't realize is it was just sagebrush that was as big as you and you had to walk around the whole time. Because you may only walk two miles, but you had to walk three miles because you were literally zigzagging back and forth across sagebrush up a hill. 
Yeah, it's and three to four thousand vert or yeah. three thousand vert to the top, and it's straight up. Oh yeah. And so yeah, like you say, you're zigzagging back and forth and walking around that sage is. Uh, yep. it, it takes it out of you, and it's all loose too. Yep. It's it's two steps forward, one step back. You yep. know, you can't just pound out miles on a trail. So we drove around, got to the other side of the mountain, and we figure, okay, we're gonna do a light assault up there, yep. and so. Instantly from our climbs, you know, you, you start ditching gear yeah. and all of a sudden the stove's out, the yeah. gas is out, the, you know, all of a sudden we're sharing a tripod where like you get that minimalist mindset real quick yeah. in the backcountry. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Once you, once you do one, I get, um, it was good that we did like a practice hike. Cause I was just like, oh, I don't need this. I don't need extra socks. I don't need extra underwear. I don't need this. I don't need the gloves. I don't need all this stuff. And then I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to have any hot meals while I'm up there. It's <laughs> <laughs> like slowly. Like that's like a pound I don't need. But Yeah, we started ditching gear and going ultra light. But yeah. the one thing that we could not skimp on was water. Yeah. Like there oh, was yeah. no water on the yeah. top of that mountain. Nowhere anywhere. near. Yeah, it you, was like 1,500 foot drop to the water. At least. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. You know? And it was all covered in cow crap too. Yeah. It was like we walked by one and we're like, oh, this is our closest water. And it was just cow infested just, oh yeah the yeah. one water hole that we yeah. walk by yeah you're you're gonna catch aids from that yeah water you're, not, yeah, you're not i'm not drinking no water out of that yeah so. um cows have been in there so we ditch all our gear but um to bring enough water for three days i think you brought 200 ounces yeah i think i went for 160 yeah. and um you know that you know 160 ounces um like uh my, let's see my math you know what is uh 10 pounds of water yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you had about 12 pounds of water yeah. at 10 pounds. Like that makes your pack a lot heavier in that yeah. exertion level. Like it's one thing to climb a mountain. It's another thing to climb it with 40 pounds on your back. Yeah. Like that puts it on you. And I didn't realize the next day, because uh, both those days that we had climbed, we had started, you know, right around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And then that next day we started at six and I had drank so much water from that, the, the day that we were up top. And it was just like, Oh, this is what it's like to be in the Nevada high country. Cause it, like I started my, I started feeling my lips dry out and my forehead was getting red. And I was just like, I can't, you can't get away from it. You know, you were just hiding up underneath every bush you could see or any little rise that would provide any sort of shade. You were like, just like subconsciously just finding yourself hiding in those things. So. Right. Well, and, um, you know, I, I've said on the podcast before that I can survive off 32 ounces, but it's all about the temperature and the exertion level. Like, yeah, I can live off 32 ounces if I'm playing the shade game and I'm glass and basins and then, you know, maybe make a play on a buck. But up there, we're just going for it. Covering oh, yeah. country. It's hot. You, you're, you're really close to the sun up yeah. to 10,000 feet. Yeah, the thing, it, beating the, on you. the thing about it is most people don't realize it may say it's 84 degrees, but that sun brings it up. I mean, it was there was. We were looking on online, or and it was saying it was like seventy-eight degrees or something ridiculous. And you're like, there is absolutely no way that we're anywhere near that, just because it was just you could just feel the moisture leaving your body, yeah. just because you were just drying out and like eighty eighty plus degrees is what I had on mine. But yeah, yeah. there was um, I I don't know that that sun heats up that ground in Nevada oh, too. Yeah. Like I've never seen that ground just yeah. soaks it up. I don't know if it's the dirt or those rocks. But it's just radiating oh, yeah. off the ground. Yeah. Like it's, you know, I relate it to construction, and you've done construction, yeah. like being up on a roof. Oh, yeah, same it, thing. It may be 80, 90 degrees, but that sun reflects yeah. off that black tar shingles. Yeah. And it's actually, when you're up on that roof, it's like 120 and you're oh, yeah. pouring sweat. Well, it's that same feeling in Nevada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I, 
I mean, I've been overseas in Kuwait, and I mean, it was hot there. But whenever you're, you know, you go from 5,000 feet to you're at 10,000 feet, you're up next to the sun. That's what I kept telling everybody that, where are you going? I'm like, up next to the sun. <laughs> like, that's, I'm going to get as high as we can, I guess. And I mean, that year at TAC, my lips actually uh, got sun poisoning, like, exploded, like, in the middle. And that's what I was, that's why I brought chapstick the whole time I was up there, because it, like, it didn't matter if you had, I had wore that boonie hat the whole time just to try to keep the sun off of me, and it was still, it didn't matter. I think I got sunburnt through my shirt at one point. Like, I was just feeling like my skin was tender, and I was like, I got to talk to Sick and see if we can get some UV ray protection on some of this clothing because it was getting warm up there. But It's brutal. Well, every hunt has its challenges. Oh, yeah. And you get there, and, and also Nevada, like the stocking conditions weren't that good. Like it was yeah. hot and dry. And yeah, so super dry. we're trying to get two people into range. Like, you know, we've got a difficult challenge on our hands. And yeah. all of a sudden, like out of, the, out of the frying pan into the fire, here we are in Nevada faced with yeah. these challenges. So we get up on top. We do this light assault. And, uh, and we, we climb up to the ridge and instantly we, we find our bucks. They're, yeah. they're right where we left them. And now they're, they're walking out and they're starting to come at us. But, you know, we're trying to hunt them on the lee wind side, which I always hate. So yeah. the, the wind is blowing out of the southwest and we're trying to hunt them on the north side of the hill. Yeah. It was just blowing right yeah. to them no matter what. And so, so even though you got thermals coming up that side, that wind gusts over the top and just circles over there. And so... We get up there and find these bucks, and, man, I just got to learn my lesson time and time again. Patience kills the buck. Like, quality plays. You can't shortcut anything, and you got to have all conditions in your favor. And so um, we find these bucks, and they're in the perfect spot to kill them, but the wind's bad. But the wind's bad. Yep. And so the wind's blowing over top the ridge, and so, you know, you're sitting there for an hour, and you're watching them, and we're back and forth. Oh, maybe we could do this. Oh, maybe we'd do that. And, and finally, we decide, that's a pretty good play to yeah. leave you there. You're a couple hundred yards, and you're going to film from afar so we don't make that much noise, and I'm going to go work in, and they're right over the ridge line. Like, yeah. I can sneak over the ridge and shoot them. They're 50 oh, yeah. yards. Yeah. And so there's a couple bucks in there that, that we shoot that had really good frames on them, and so I start going around, and then what I'm trying to do is I'm on the backside of the ridge. It's blowing over the top, but I'm trying to play left or right of the bucks. So hopefully my wind's going, you know, left yeah. of the bucks and I'm in front of them and I get my shot or right of the bucks. Um, I have learned my lesson on this probably 20 times. It, it never works or it hardly ever works. Like, and, and you're just risking spooking all those bucks and losing your opportunities. And I, I did it again. Here I am. I close into a hundred yards. I'm trying to play left of the box and, and I've kind of got a right to left wind. Like, I think I'm okay. It's quartering. Like, ah, yeah. I think I'll be all right. But that wind comes over the top and swirls pretty soon. Those bucks win me. Yeah. They take off and relocate. Well, I, I, I realized real quick that they were in certain spots and it wasn't for no reason. Like they knew that I was just, them adapting to their habitat but they knew that that they were going to have you know a southwest wind 90 percent of the time and they were always right up next to the top like no matter what so that way that the thermals from that northwest side or northeast side would never suck the suck the scent up like it was always blowing toward them no matter where they were at yeah you, could, you couldn't make a play on on them you know 90 percent of the time and just sitting there watching them and you're just like come on give me a break here 
Well, their instincts are so yeah. good, oh, right? Yeah. They bed in safe places yeah. is what you're talking about. Yeah. So they'll bed in places where they can see all the way to the bottom. Yeah. The wind's swirling over the top. Yep. Like like a mountain lion's got a real challenge to sneak up yeah. on those things because they're yeah. going to wind them or see them. And, and same thing for us hunters. They bed in safe places. Like, you know, they don't get four, five, six years old by being stupid. Like they yeah. bed in smart places where they don't get shot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're – and if we could just find one on that – that strong wind side. Oh yeah, it would have like, been. It yeah. would have been over the first day, but yeah, it was just they the just weren't. Right and, they just yep. weren't there. No, and so um, I spooked the bucks. Um, there's a gray four point that comes over the top. We kind of make a play on him. He's in the open, and it's right last light. And again, it's just this not. It's not this methodical, planned out, slow and patient. Like I started scooting to him, and man, that sick of gear. I I think that's the best camo going, yeah. man. I. You know, I've always said it's not the camo, it's the movement that, yeah. that animals catch. But well, now You can it's... get away with more yeah. wearing that, and we were wearing that subalpine. And, man, I, like, I'm not making this up, guys. Like, I can just get away with more. Yeah. I can get away with more movement. I can get away with being still, still. They don't pick me out. Like, a lot of reasons the buck we killed, like, Sika Gear saved me on that yeah. stock. I was within 100 yards, and I had a buck stand up and stare right at me, and I was frozen, mm-hmm. standing straight up in the sage. You know, I, um, you know, I'm just a humanoid standing there, but I'm in that subalpine. And that buck looked at me, and I was frozen for five minutes. And finally, my legs are shaking, and they're kind of spread apart. And I go, God, I got to... You know, I got to make them, I can't stay still anymore. Like yeah. I can't hold this yoga pose any longer. And so I like crouch down as slow as I can possibly move. Like the hands of the clock, I slow down and crouch down and I finally get to a knee and I just stay still. And that buck just puts his head down and starts feeding like he never saw me. Like I can just get away with more. It's more forgiving using it. And bucks are still going to catch you moving. Like it's not a, a fix-all be-all. Like you can't just wear Sitka and walk across the hillside and shoot a deer. Like it doesn't work that way. But I can get away with more. Like it's more forgiving, you know. Yeah, it so, almost happened that way. <laughs> right. That's uh, I, I've, I've been a big solid guy for a long time. And then I bought Subalpine last year. I used it in spring. And then we used it on this hunt. And I mean, Brian's not really telling the whole. That buck was in the wide open on the on the second day in the up in the mountains, and he just like we were just like looking at one another. We're like, wonder what's going to happen, you know? Like, what's the worst that can happen? He was going to spook yeah. no matter. what. He was going to spook no matter what. Like whenever we had to go to our camp, it yep. was toward that way, and Brian just started scooting toward him, and we started off at like three seventy, and then you ended up at like a hundred and ten yards mm-hmm. from him. Mm-hmm. And it was just getting too dark to film and getting too dark. And it was just like, you. I mean, you more than likely could have just scooted right on in there, but it was one of them things when you're trying to capture a film. And, and I mean, it was it was honestly mind-blowing. Like, if you're not a believer in that stuff, just watch this video and you'll see. Like, just, I mean, slid right toward these deer. And they just look up, and then he would stop moving, and then they would come right. I mean, you can just get away with way more stuff. Because there was a couple times whenever we were – stalking in that buck in the sage and they were looking at me too and i'm just sitting there and i would just sit down slowly and then they would just just i don't know if it's just got just calms them or what but it it just makes it i mean we honestly i don't think we could have done it without that stuff so yeah uh, and like i say like i'm not 
I'm, I'm not making it up. It's not a fix-all be-all. You yeah. still have to be a skilled hunter, but you can just get away with yeah. more. It breaks up your outline. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, they can't pick you out and that stuff, and it blends in perfect. Oh, yeah. Like, like try to glass somebody up there in subalpine and yeah. try to find them in oh, that I walk, I walked past you a couple times, and I was like, <laughs> I was 10 feet away from you. You're just sitting there. I'm like, oh, there's Brian. <laughs> just hiding away in the rocks. But Yeah, well, so we got close to that buck. It was just getting too late, and it was – it was one of those deals where I didn't want to have to take a long shot. They they were wary in there, and so we backed out on those things. Um, start again the next day, and we're trying to relocate those bucks. And we put on some good miles, good elevation, and come over the hill, and uh, I spot three bucks, and two of them are the shooters, and then they're with another smaller buck. Yep. And uh, so we're over the ridge, and we're watching these bucks, and we watch them for an hour and a half. Now, again, they're on the lee wind side, and so um, – we're just watching them and waiting them. We're going to let them bed, you know, hopefully get some better thermals because they're a little bit farther down the mountain, hopefully be able to play the wind right. And we're sitting there watching them. We take some pictures, some video, and, and we're just waiting for them. And that, that one, there was one real wide, big three point, you know, and, and he was, he was a really nice buck and, and he was just wary. But uh, pretty soon, the wind got the better of us again, yep. and I thought we were far enough left of them. And, of course, you're always playing hindsight, like, oh, I should have done this or yeah. I should have done that. But um, There was really nothing that we could have done. No. They was going to change, and we both, like, felt the wind switch for maybe half a second because we just, like, looked at each other and were like, oh, there they go. Like, we knew before. Like, they lifted their head up. The wind just stopped for just – just a millisecond you know like, oh well they got it yep so they were 200 yards away we were watching them trying to let them bed we'd been in that position for a long time and they hadn't winded us but yeah all of a sudden you just get a little bit of your scent and all of a sudden they're spooking and they're going yeah. and so we watch them go across this huge drainage and then they get on the far side of it and they just hold up yep. like they don't want to cross this next basin into the open side so they're just looking back in there and only the one buck caught our scent i think yeah and so they're super wary but we sit there in the sun just baking yeah. for like two hours just yeah. watching these things and they never bet they're just standing there and, and pretty soon one beds and they're starting to kind of calm down and the wind's right they're in a good spot yeah. we had spooked them so they're on a little high alert but it's like you know let's roll the dice to see what we can do there's a couple shooters in there and so we yeah. work all the way around these bucks we get a good wind and uh now we get the stocking shoes on we get to make a play on them you know and so um, we start creeping over the hill. You did good. We were totally silent, and we start coming over the rise. And all of a sudden, the bucks aren't where they are. But I, I spot the horns of one, and he's yeah. down there. And and so we're back and forth, and you know, and saying, I think he's bedded there. I can see his horns. He's by this tree, and we're trying to make our plan. And we're trying to, you know, it's it's another degree of difficulty when you're trying to get something on film too. Um, and you're taller than me. You're not a no. You, you're not built five eight like me. Yeah, you know, no. and so you stick up a little bit higher, and so you really got to crouch down on these stocks. But we creep in, and I start getting this buck into range. Like I think I get into about sixty yards on this buck, and and we're trying to just get a, a shot, figure out where he's at. Um, you know, we're we're trying to get it all worked out, and and all of a sudden the the buck's just onto us. He's been looking our direction, but we never skylined ourselves. We never yeah, exposed ourselves. Like I don't know what happened. If he was just wary, if he heard something, maybe caught a gust of our wind. Who knows? But he kind of walks away from us, and so. Um, we try to catch them, but, um, or try to just get sight of them over the ridge and, and, uh, they, they're gone. Those bucks leave country. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, I mean, I just, they, they're just hypersensitive stuff that, that you can't really explain. Like there's, 
like I've been next to mountain goats and sheep and all this other stuff. And there's just something like a high country mule deer is like, like basically hunting an antelope on the prairie, but it's, you know, it's, you're, it's way steeper. So, well, they're hyper aware, yeah, yeah. like, like you're saying, that's why I think they're one of the, 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 uh, toughest trophies, yeah. the most sought after trophies in the yeah. West, especially with a bow and arrow, like, like they are so difficult to kill They they're trying to, you know, they've, they've evolved from thousands of years of avoiding mountain lions. And those things are as switched on as any animal out there. Like you watch those bucks and you can be like a mile away or a few hundred yards. They haven't caught your scent. They have they haven't been hunted this entire year. There's no humans around, which is yeah. really nice. Yeah, we there had was it all nobody. Yeah, because there's no water up yeah. there. You can't live, and it's it's a push to get back in yeah. there. Um, so we spooked that buck, but you're, you're right about being hyper-aware. They're constantly, like, looking up, turning their heads. They're watching. Sometimes they'll stare in a direction for 15 minutes, yeah. and, and there's nothing around. There's no predators. There's no danger, but as being a, a a sought after game species or just their evolution or or what they've become they're hyper aware constantly looking around for danger and so it's not only the buck you want to kill it's the other bucks yeah. that are with them too uh, they're the ones that make it difficult it's the younger ones because they just they're always up on their feet always doing something just looking around and and i that's what the weird thing was on that stock is just that one buck. He just was up the whole time. The other two laid down, and this one buck literally just stood and stared at. I mean, stared in our direction for two and a half hours or something, you know, before they ended up moving. You know, yes. before we started that stock, they were just staring, staring right in that one direction. He and he never took so much as a step. Like mm-hmm. all four feet stayed planted and didn't move. So it's survival for those deer, yeah. and and um, you know they. They do. They they're um, they're patient. They they look for danger. They don't make many mistakes. Like their life depends on it. Depends on picking up that predator moving in on them. And and so yeah, they're switched on. And I I just I appreciate their instincts so much and how difficult they are to kill. And they're always challenging. And, and in each different habitat and country, you know, you have different challenges. And in this one, it was tough stalking. But so we spot that. But we spot some other bucks, some smaller bucks, pass on a couple threes, smaller threes. And, and then we work way out the ridge and we, we look around. And, and so we glass and hunt up there for a while. And we just can't turn up any more shooters. Those bucks don't turn out. And so, you know, we've got to change our plan of attack. We, we've got to pack up our camp, and we gotta we got to head back down to the truck. we got to relocate, and we got to start over. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it, – it wasn't anything that we did. It's just it, they just weren't there. You know, the, the number of bucks – I mean, 13 bucks to some people's a lot, but whenever you're looking – we looked over, you know, about five miles of ridge line, and we seen only seen, you know, 15 bucks total. It was like – Man, we're gonna we're gonna run out of plays here soon. Yep, so. and well, and we probably saw twenty, thirty bucks, just a lot of smaller ones. Yeah. Couldn't find the shooters we were looking for, and and yeah, they just weren't everywhere. Like, um, you had to look over a lot of drainages to find the one you want, and um, so so we got to start over, and so we head back down. We kind of make a game plan for what we're gonna do. and um, so we're driving to relocate, and um, so we're driving through, and there's um. As we're driving through, um, we've got our Onyx running the whole time, and all of a sudden, we spot these bucks. And these bucks are in this sage flat, and they're working this this 
public ground. And so all of a sudden we're down on the valley floor, but we're in this huge sage flat that's all public ground. And, and there's some alfalfa fields around and it's like, you know, beggars can't be choosers. If I could see a shooter buck, you know, uh, whatever it takes, like I'll stalk him down there as well. And like I told you, I said, I'll, I'll crawl through that sage, whatever right. it takes to try to kill a buck. And um, so we're just driving to relocate to another trailhead and we spot out and we, we glass two shooters, one really wide one and then re- one really tall one. Yeah. And they're on public ground and we kind of make a play on them that day and it, it, it doesn't work out. And so um, we decide we're going to camp there before we head back into the mountains and we're going to take a look at them in the morning, see if we can't relocate them and bed them. And, and now we're in a different habitat, but they're still mule deer. They're living in this sage flat, and uh, they're good bucks, and there's nobody around hunting them. We got it all to ourselves. So um, the next morning, we go out, and uh, we, we glass up that tall buck again, and we try to hang with him, and we watch him just go miles through that sagebrush, and yeah. we're just trying to keep an eye on him. Yeah. And, and we lose him at one point, and then we have to relocate him. And that's where patience kills the bucks. Now we've screwed up a couple stocks. Yeah. We know that, you know, we just can't push it and all the conditions have to be right to kill this deer. And so we watch him bed down out there, but it's the morning time. The wind's not right. And so we just decide we're not going to make a stock. We're going to work all the way along the other side of this buck. And so we've got to go, you know, miles and miles and miles around this buck. And so we mark our locations on the map. We mark where we think the bucks are and we work all the way around them. And so three hours later we find ourselves and we're now we're on the far side of them with a good wind and we're just trying to relocate them but they just disappear in the sage it's you know in places it's three feet tall they bed down and they're gone yeah and i mean for a long time we were just we're standing up on the back of the truck and just viewing antler tips like you would just barely see them whenever they would stand up or the really the only chance we had to see them was whenever they were moving beds or moving or feeding yeah, when they stand up, yeah. we could see them, but when yeah. they bed down, they disappear, and it is flat as a pancake out there. There is no feature whatsoever, and so we work around to the good wind side, and, um, you know, we we relocate these bucks. I think you spotted them out there. You, yeah, you whenever we it, drove around, it was just, there was one skyline, and I just like, oh, there they are. Yep. And we stopped, and sure enough, that, that big tall buck was standing there, and we just, I don't it's just pure luck to to a certain extent where... We were working that whole road and just standing up and glassing and glassing and glassing. And then finally we were driving in between spots and just like, oh, there they are. Yeah. So the deal was, is there was like, let's say there's a, a road on the north side and the, the wind's blowing north to south. And so we spotted those bucks and watched them go out miles out into the sage. And we find another road that's all the way on the other side of them out there. And it's, it's BLM and I mean, it's just a sage uh, sage flat for miles and miles yeah. and miles out there. Like you just, it, and they disappear from you. And so, yeah, we had been working it and, and uh, we'd stop and we'd glass and we'd stop and we'd glass and we'd stop and we'd glass for hours just trying to pick out these bucks. Finally, you spotted them. We have our eyes on them. We wait for them to bed down and we've got a good wind. Now it's blowing at us. And so we decide, well, here we go. Let's make a play. And so we started on our stock and we, we got... A couple hundred yards yeah. in, bucks were standing and bedding, and we're starting to work in. And, man, it's just so still in that morning. Oh. Like, uh, the wind is supposed to be six miles an hour, but it calmed down to where it's, like, zero wind. And it is so no- – like, the ground isn't bad to stalk on if you really take your time, but there's dead sage in places, live sage, and you're having to pick your way through it. And so after 
going and moving in, we cut the distance, um, cut the distance a little bit, a couple hundred yards. We can still see him. And I just came back to you and I said, man, it ain't going to happen. Like, um, it's too noisy out here. We gotta, we gotta be more patient. We gotta wait for the wind to come up, these conditions to get right. And, and you agreed with me wholeheartedly. And so as tough as it is to back off uh, of bucks and, and you never know what's going to happen. You could lose them again. They can get up and, and walk away and it's tough to find them out in that stuff. And so, but we decide that the conditions aren't right and, and we're not going to kill this buck. We're just going to move in and spook this buck. And so we go back and we hang out two hours, two and a half hours, just keeping an eye on them. We'll see them bed and get up every once in a while. And you, you know, you can't tell exactly where they're bedding, but you kind of got the general idea because they're way out in the middle. There's no, there's no landmarks, you yep. know, you can't keep track of them. The only landmarks are like, like it's the big silver barn. On the skyline over there, that's they're in between us and them. Yeah, so way yeah. off in the distance, 20, 10, 20 miles away in the barrage out there, you know, you could start to see like a silver barn or a group of trees or something, and you'd kind of put them on a line right there and keep track of that line and go, okay, they're in that line. You know, who knows if they're 400 yards or 800 yards out there, but they're in that line, and so that's how we'd kind of keep track of them. And so we wait for a couple hours, and we're just waiting for that wind to pick up and, and get – um, you know, where it'll cover our sound a little bit. And, uh, so we just wait and wait and wait. And, and finally, like, um, the, the thunder and lightning storms would come in every afternoon in that place. We just start, see them start to build. And when those things come in, the winds would swap around. And so we're trying to time it where we're hunting the heat of the day with a good afternoon wind, but we can't wait too long or those storms are going to come in and it's going to blow up our winds. And so we wait for two hours, two and a half hours, something like that. And, um, finally I tell you, I, I think it's right. Like we, if the wind wasn't blowing super hard, but it was like a six to eight mile an hour wind, it's still fairly still, but it's just going to cover our sound enough to where we can get in on this buck. And, uh, so we start making our play and, um, we start tiptoeing through the sage and, and making our way through it and, uh, stalking these bucks. And, uh, this is one of the tougher stalks I've made. Like it, it is flat as a pancake. There's four bucks. They keep getting up periodically. You know, they're tough to keep track of. And, and we just start picking our way and tiptoeing through this sage. And, and uh, like, I mean, you know, that slow, methodical, thought out play. Like this is what we're doing on these bucks. And so we start picking our way through there. And pretty soon we get close enough where, you know, it's, um, I get caught by that buck like we had talked about earlier. Like yep. I was maybe, um, you know, 100, 150 yards, yep. uh, maybe 200 yards at that point. But that buck stands up and I'm caught in the wide open. And it's like he looking, he's looking in my direction and I, eventually I've got to kneel down. But the ground is so hot. Like uh, the ground feels like it's 150 degrees. Oh, yeah. Like you talk digging holes yeah. for you oh, were yeah. digging the dirt yeah. so that it wouldn't burn your legs as yeah. your legs were laying on it. Yeah, that's what I whenever I was kneeling, just waiting for them. Cause yeah, I would sit down periodically, and then as soon as I would sit down on my hind end, the deer would stand up, and then you'd have to get back up and then hit record. You know, just make sure everything was in focus. And finally, I just sat on my knees and just sat there and waited and waited and waited. And I was just digging holes and making sure I wasn't. I don't need, I think it's just the rocks were just soaking up so much heat that it was whenever you put your knees on them it was like you were sticking a a cast iron skillet to them. Oh uh, my gosh. 
it was so hot. It was burning my hands, and you wrap your sleeve over your hands, but every time you put your hand down, it burn it. And, and my knees are still sore today from, from the heat of that ground. So um, you held up at 150, 200 yards, something like that, and then I crept in solo in there. And so I'm just crawling and then trying to pick my way through the sage. I had to earn every single yard on oh, those yeah. it was a, It was an absolutely amazing stock. Like I, I've never seen someone do what you – did successfully like you like they were there were so many times where they were just like i was like oh he's busted and then they would just wouldn't and they would just lay back down i'm like what in the world is going on and it was just i mean that was just to your due diligence where you're just taking it easy and there was times that i was watching you and it was looked like you literally weren't even moving but you were moving forward like a slug almost but that's the best way to be. So slow. And yep. I didn't get too excited, right? I've stocked enough yep. muleys where I know they pick up on movement. movement. So when they'd stand up, or what, I just stop moving. I'm hidden in the sage. And, and I kind of, I know when to stop and when to move. And I just didn't get too excited. At one point, two of those bucks are standing in, you know, I'm at, you know, long bow range. But I just know it's not right. I'm not going to poke my head up. I'm not going to try to get a range. I'm not going to try to knock an arrow and get drawn. Like, they're looking my way like... I'm just going to hold tight. And so that slow, methodical play and just knowing that they, they didn't have me caught. I wasn't busted. Like, I just need to stop and just wait. And so super slow stock. And, and like I say, earn every yard and, and make my way through this dead sage. I mean, you're in so many different yoga poses, just slipping over the sage and just one leg and one knee and crawling in. and Yeah. Um, and I, I finally get into range of these bucks, and they're bedded there and have no idea I'm there. And I get into my range, and I thought about getting closer, but it, it's just – it's fairly still. And, and I don't want to let these bucks know I'm there. That's when the situation's going to blow up. Right now, I have the element of surprise. They don't know I'm there. Like, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to be patient. So I kind of get on a range on the sage around them, and I kind of know roughly what range they're at, but I'm going to have to range them when he gets up. And so – I just wait and wait and wait. One of the three points stands up, kind of looks in my direction, and I just wait. I just don't move a muscle. And and eventually, what do you think that, what, 20 minutes or so? I was sitting there in range, maybe 15 minutes, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And, and this buck would change beds every once in a while, and finally he gets up. And it's another one of those deals where he's staring right at me when he gets up. And so I don't move a muscle. I don't. I don't try to rush and get the shot. I'm in range of this buck. I've got an arrow knocked. I've got a rough range, but um, patience kills the buck. And I just, like, I've been in this situation before, and it's just like, I'm not going to move and give myself away. I have the element of surprise. And even though he's looking in my direction, he's just being a buck. He's just being wary and hyper uh, vigilant, like we talked about earlier. Like, he's just getting around and looking in different directions. And, and I just need to hold hold my ground and wait. And finally he turns his head and I get a range and he turns around and I, now I've got a good range and, and you know, he's the outside of where I want to be he's 64 yards and, uh, turns around. And now I have none of the bucks looking at me. Now's the time I draw my bow, settle my pin, let my pin get on there and then just put a shot on him. And, and so I just have to trust that you're doing your job too. Yeah. Like a lot of times I think the cameraman has a tougher job than the, than the hunter. Like you got to make sure you get them on film, get them on camera. And so you're set up behind me with the tripod. You're burning up in the, the heat as well. And yeah. you've made this whole stock with me on there crawling, you know, yeah, yeah I think through. I was at, I think I ranged in and I was like one fifty. Oh, you got close too. Oh yeah. It was, it was getting weird. 
Like mm-hmm. it, like it was, it was, it, I mean, it was awesome. Cause it was like, I was stalking in with my bow and it was just cool that, just, I mean, it's just extra practice. That's all that was. Mm-hmm. And it, it was pretty awesome just to be that close and then get to watch you just, I mean, I was watching, watching the camera and watching you at the same time. And I watched you draw a bow, draw your bow back. We couldn't get them both on film just cause the way you couldn't get me drawing yeah. my bow and the deer on film. Yeah. Just yep. the way it worked out, but just get to watch the whole thing. Just just watched you draw, and then I saw you anchor, and then I started looking at the screen, and then I watched the buck. I just heard whack, watched the buck run, and then I moved the camera over, panned the camera over to where he was standing at, and it just refocused it, and it was just, you just watch him just do the the cross-legged stumble, and then he just belly up, and I was just like, well, I mean, I was so jacked. It was just like the most awesome awesome feeling like I, I know you were excited but i think i was honestly more excited than you were <laughs> i was just so pumped to actually catch one of those like just completely on on film and just to be able to whenever he i mean that's what you want whenever you shoot an animal with a bow is that quick i mean it was whenever you watch the video it's less than seven seconds like from the time he gets hit from the time he perspires that's it like there's no there's no kicking there was no nothing he was just, he was just done. So, yeah. Well, and, and you know, a, a lot of the um, credit to killing that buck is is you. Like, not only is it me stalking in, it's you stalking in as well. You're taller. You're bigger than me. And if you take any shortcuts behind me, like I'm not keeping tabs on you. Yeah. Like I'm just trusting you're doing what I'm doing. And then I'm trusting you got things on footage and you're doing your job. Like your job is to capture this whole yeah. scene, this whole deal. And, and so, you know, a lot of the reason we killed that buck is just your your diligence and it's no shortcuts. Like you're crawling just like me. Yep. You're yoga moving just like me. And it's not your tag. You're just trying to capture it on oh, film. Yeah. But one shortcut, we're busted and that whole scenario blows up. Yeah. And so you did your job behind me. Yeah, I remember I shot that, that buck. And, and man, these, these hunts, they're so challenging and so difficult. I'm telling you, almost everyone I'm on, it seems like mission impossible. You know, and I'd, I've been successful a couple times this season with the caribou and the mule deer, but when you're in the middle of this hunt and you're five days into it, like, it doesn't feel like it's going to come together. Like, it takes mental toughness to just keep pushing and oh, keep yeah. looking and trying to earn opportunities. Like I said at the beginning, they're always tougher than you think they're going to be. Yeah. And to try to kill something with your bow and arrow is so difficult. And so when you're in the hunt, like, all of a sudden, it starts feeling like Mission Impossible. It starts feeling like, I, I don't even know if a human can kill one of these things with a bow. Like, it doesn't like, it start to yeah. feel that oh, way? Yeah. It, was like, it was like hunting mountain goats. Yeah. And then we got down to the valley, and then it was just like, it was a completely different animal. I mean, it was just as hard or even more difficult than being, because they were just, I mean, those deer were just, they just see people all the time, I guess, farmers and that sort of thing. And it was just all the time, they were just like looking, like just checking and we I actually talked to that older gentleman who's talked about how bad of a coyote problem they have there too. So that could probably be. And then we found that probably 70 inch antelope that was just just dead. And you're like, what in the world is going on? I mean, it, it was an antelope that was in his prime. You know, you're trying to figure out what had happened. And that's why those things are so switched on all the time is just the amount of predators that are in that valley. Yeah, just hyper vigilant. Well, and there's there's no... There's no feature. There's no, you know, yeah. at least in the mountains, you got some ridge lines that'll hide your, hide your sound. And so now we're just in the sage flat, stalking in the wide open with, with no feature. And so, um, yeah, to have it come together, buck turn, put a good shot on them, 
dead within seven seconds, and I just soaked it in there. The other two three points came back into range, and I mean, um, the 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 feelings of elation that you get. Um, and I look back, and I can see you're smiling just as big or bigger than me, you know. And we were we were able to do it. We uh, able to harvest a buck in Nevada, walk up, and um, man, I mean, I then the excitement hits me, and I'm shaking, and and um, I, I'm just thrilled to death. Like I I absolutely love to bow hunt. I love the challenge of it. I love that it seems impossible, and all of a sudden, one stock, one chance can just change it. And I think you know, a lot of the success on these hunts, I, I always say, like, you got to get stocks, you got to get opportunities. Yeah. It isn't just one deer that you find that you kill very rarely. Like, I need opportunities. And like I was telling you, you know, if we can get a stock a day, you know, we'll kill a buck. Like, yeah. I just need chances and opportunities. Like a lot of hunt in Hawaii, those axis deer are really tough to kill. They're really switched on, but you get chances and you get opportunities and eventually you get one right. But it, it's just, it's, it's making no shortcuts it's being patient. It's trying to get all the conditions in your favor. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it comes together and you got a good arrow in the buck and, you know, he expires in front of you. And, um, man, I mean, the footage that we have put together and the storyline and just the whole deal from, from start to finish is going to be killer to share. Oh, yeah. 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 Cause you got to, I mean, people got to realize that something's going to go wrong. Like nothing's ever going to like even, I mean, I always just laugh cause it's just, you just people get up so upset about you know like how we had to come back to the house like people could have you know that would have ruined their entire trip some people and it's just like it's whatever man like it we gotta stop we can't worry about every single thing or it'll drive you insane so yeah you roll with the punches really well oh, yeah. like i say i think that's your biggest asset yeah. um for a hunting partner for a film guy or, or creating a team like that yeah. just that positive mental attitude it just we'd have things go wrong and you know all of a sudden we gotta we gotta hike miles and tons yeah. of elevation and start over and find another buck because we screwed up a stock but it's not letting yourself get down it's yep. just going well um you know we, we just got to find another one, you yeah. know, what, oh, yeah. all we can do is just keep going or, you know, uh, um, but you, your positive attitude, like yeah. it's going to serve you. It's already served you really well in life. It's going to serve you for the rest of your life and in, in all your hunting endeavors, filming endeavors, um, you know, whatever you're doing, it, it, the one thing that you can control is your attitude and your yeah. mood and, oh, yeah. and things are going to get you down. Like you're not, everything is rosy. Not everything's yeah. butterflies and rainbows. Like, uh, stuff messes up, stuff goes wrong. You got a buck that you want to kill so bad and then it screws up and you know, he's, he's spooked out of the country and you got to start over, but it's just about keeping that positive attitude and also embracing the experience, the experience of being desert rats out there. We just kind of laugh and it's just like, yeah. well, here we go. We yeah. just got to keep grinding, just got to keep pushing. And so, um, yeah, it was just a good fortune that we were able to find those bucks in that sage flat. We were able to earn a stock and an opportunity and then uh, no shortcuts and able to play it right and, and capture that thing. But, yeah, uh, I'm stoked at the footage we put together and then the content for the next year. A lot of the photos you grabbed, um, just next level. It's just going to be awesome to continue to share this hunt and and then um see all the footage put together man i'm I'm really stoked with it yeah i'm pretty pumped i'm watching some of it right now and just big shit eating grin on my face because some of the stuff's just pretty awesome so it's cool footage isn't yeah. it oh yeah. yeah we did good well um i can't thank you enough man just for your effort down there and and uh just diligence and and attitude like i say uh we make a good team um can't wait to share more hunts with you and uh, awesome. we're gonna go explore some more backcountry and and get her down again hopefully yeah oh yeah
Yep. So right on. Well, thanks a bunch, Logan. Um, yeah, we better shut this down, uh, get our get our truck unpacked, and um, yeah, get a little bit of work done here. You're gonna start antelope hunting, and uh, you got yeah. some bow tags in your hands for yep. Montana. Yeah, I got uh, I got the the big three, the uh, elk, deer, and antelope. So we'll yep. see if I can get it done in these short amount of times that I got in between hunts. And so. you've got a big deer scouted that you've oh, been yeah. excited about that oh, you yeah. hunted all last year that you're I've hunting hunted, this yeah. year. I've hunted this deer for a long. Time. I got money invested in this thing because i just like i've spent probably 30 days watching this one little section that i hunt and he was i mean he was there last year and i just i made a play on him and he was going to be like 80 something coming over the hill and they just they just know there's just something that they he had already moved down across the valley into the other side of the shade and i mean for no reason i mean where he was at was in the shade still and it was just like come over the hill and just like well smarter than me bud like and he just he'll bed out in just the middle of i mean where we had we had a play but it was like he he would bed out in the middle of this field back behind your house where there's just there's just nothing you can do he just laughing at you but yeah hopefully that first of that first of that uh archery season we can i can go up there and spend a couple of days and try to get it done and maybe have a new state record who knows He's a good one. He's yeah, a good one. they do have a sixth sense about him. And and yeah, you had a good season last year. You killed an antelope and an yeah. elk with your bow, yeah. which just is not easy to yeah. do. It's so yeah. difficult. And then you you did kill deer with your rifle. Yep. You didn't yep. get the deer you wanted. But no, um, that's what I'm I'm kind of dead set on. If I'm going to shoot that deer, it's either he's gonna he's gonna die of old age, or I'm gonna shoot him with a bow. It's mm-hmm. like that's just that's just how it is. But yeah, shot an antelope first day, and then shot an elk the third day I hunted, and mm-hmm. it was just one of them things where preparation really you got to have the mindset that you're going to you're going to be su- successful and that you can be mm-hmm. that's what most people like that just i had to go into every single every single stock thinking i mean i'm already not really daydreaming about it but i'm foreshadowing just drawing my bow back and him standing up and just executing a perfect shot and if you do that then a lot of the times it's gonna it's gonna work out yeah you got to yeah. have confidence in yeah. your skills oh, yeah. you got to believe you can kill that animal you have to believe you're gonna make that shot when you draw back yeah. um you know and and that just comes to your practice and proving it to yourself and in confidence in your skills yeah. you know so, yeah sometimes i have too much confidence in myself but me or, too yeah i think <laughs> i can kill every deer i see <laughs> yeah so yeah well it's that positive attitude and yeah. just like i i see an opportunity and yeah i mean i i think i can kill that deer i always think i can kill that deer i think i can make it come together um but yeah it's uh yeah awesome to share a hunt with you we got some good hunting coming up and um yeah we're just gonna gonna have to get after it and uh let the cards fall where they do but um Really fun experience, really fun hunt. It was a great adventure and, yeah. and uh, get a little work done. And, man, I can't wait for the next one. So, yeah, thanks a million. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, follow you at Logan Summers, um, right, on Instagram? Yeah, at Logan Summers Photo. Yep. Um, just got some great next-level photos on there. And, and uh, like you say, you're always working on your skills. Uh, you're always trying to improve. And, and I, I really like hanging out with guys like that. Oh, so it uh, works good. It's a good team, man. Yep. And uh, on to the next adventure. Yep. I'll see you soon. All right. All right. That's a wrap, guys. 
and girls. Uh, I'm sure we have a few, well, I'm sure we have a handful of women listeners. I'd hope, anyways. Um, but yeah, that's a podcast. Uh, really fun sharing that hunt with you guys. Uh, sharing it with Logan. He's a heck of a guy. Um, I, he did such a great job be behind the lens, and I I just can't wait to share this footage with you guys. It's unreal. Uh, that hunt and this Alaska hunt, I'm just really proud of. Um, so yeah, I I can't wait to share it with you guys. Thanks to our sponsor for today's show, Everly Stock. Uh, make great packs. I've been using their packs here the last couple of years. Used to pack out both of those animals. Um, that that response video that Clint Everly put out is just hilarious. You guys got to check that out. 700 pounds on one of their pack frames. Um, so funny. It's such a great response video too. And um, yeah, so make sure to check out Everly Stock. They make a, a great product and a, a great company. And I really like Glenn Everly too. He's a great guy. Um, and, and also uh, Austin Legg, um, uh, he's a super guy as well. He's been running their social media or came on with Everly Stock. He's been doing a super job. Um, I, I notice Everly Stock has um, you know, more on their social media lately and, and uh, really has a good presence. And um, I, think, I think he's a great guy. I did, uh, did a hike with him one year. Um, but yeah, he's he's super guy. So uh, make sure to check out Everly Stock. Thanks to those guys for their, their support on the podcast. With that, over there at Eastman's, um, I keep saying it, but everybody's getting ready for their hunts. Can't wait to see what Dan Picard turns up and, and some of the other guys there in the office. Uh, Guy Eastman, see what he turns up. and Just got some some fun hunts and, and just trying to get out some great content to you guys. Great content through the magazine, great content through the podcast, and then through our video platforms, through the, um, through the outdoor channel, and then also on our internet platform, the Beyond the Grid. Um, so uh, we're doing some really cool things, and I, I'm just so happy that I'm involved with this company and in, involved in in getting out this great content and, and I just want to continue to prove and 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 put out the absolute best western hunting content we can and and then just enjoy my hunts myself um, try to try to really get out and immerse myself in the woods and immerse myself in the challenge and so far so good um, god dang it it's uh it's just so fun to be out in the woods and and uh, out challenging myself and trying to get close. I I love the stock. I mean, um, I will do anything to get a stock, and and that's you know high country or uh, sage flats, whatever it is, you know what whatever the habitat is, whatever the species. You put my bow in my hands and give me a chance to spot and stock. I am a happy man, and I I love how difficult it is, and and um, you know I I love yeah I. I guess I just love the challenge of it. Um, so yeah, you you can tell I'm still on cloud nine. I'm <laughs> leaving for Colorado here in a week. I'm gonna get some work done and disappear again. And um, yeah, I'm gonna hold out for uh, for a really nice buck in Colorado. Um, and I'm gonna go either a, a giant next level buck or nothing. So um, I'm I'm really gonna take my time. I'm gonna hunt hard and and uh, try to find one of those big ones to stick an arrow in and get everything right. So I am absolutely pumped. And this is a, an extreme backcountry hunt above 13,000 feet, you know, miles and miles back into the wilderness. Uh, you know, th- this is... Yeah, this is what I live for. This is what I train for all year long. The bow shooting good. In fact, I got to get out and shoot my arrows today here. 
Uh, I got to get down for a volleyball meeting for my daughter, but then uh, get back and fling my arrows for the day, uh, get in a run here. I got to get my dog out and run. Um, he's pretty upset at me, you know, leaving for these weeks on end. He de- All he does is chase the tennis ball. He doesn't get out for these big runs with dad. So uh, I got to get him out for a run and just try to spend some quality time with my family, uh, laugh and have fun. And, and uh, I just, I appreciate their support so much on these adventure hunts and things. So um, yeah, life is good. Um, it's hunting season. Couldn't get any better. And, uh, just, just try to get, continue to get some quality recordings for you guys. Uh, got a couple podcasts I'm going to try to get done this week. My schedule's a little tight, but try to get them recorded. So I've got some content, uh, for all these days that I'm gone and chasing critters in the field. So, um, man, you guys go hard during hunting season. Persistence is deadly. Just keep trying, go over that next hill in class, uh, put all your effort into it. Try to keep your cool under that those high pressure situations. Make sure you give your pin t- uh, time to settle on that animal. Let that thing settle in and execute a good shot. You just can't ever have those shots back, and it's so tough to to execute cleanly under that that high pressure. Uh, so just make sure you're thinking about it as you're stalking in and thinking about what you're going to do and the steps you're going to take. Let that pin settle and and uh, hopefully you guys arrow some trophy critters. So I uh, really appreciate all the support. And um, yeah, check in with you guys next week with another podcast.